we're goalkeeping you in line with our next guest. Ooh. <laughs> this is Songs in My Head. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of Songs in My Head podcast for music nerds by music nerds uh, <laughs> as always joined by my lovely co-host Kristen. hello in this episode we uh have a very special guest on um we've got cody from the band goalkeeper on why don't you say hi cody hello hello hi welcome it's to wonderful the show. to be here thank you guys having me yeah thanks for being on yeah it's been great um so for 100 for the <laughs> listeners that are might not be familiar um why don't you fill them in on mm-hmm. on the band and everything exactly what is a goalkeeper right right yeah so um it's a band has nothing to do with sports <laughs> uh we were from philly and uh we're three pieces to play some pop punk music um just defended straight away you know what i mean um we have been playing since 2016 okay we have three eps out and we just got out of the studio so we're making more so um yeah we have a tour coming yeah yeah well we're all excited about that 100 <laughs> percent. that's good news yeah and um you know we can talk about that a little bit more later but for sure it's yeah. nice that more is coming yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you said you have a you guys are going on tour Yes, yes, we do have a tour starting in like 10 days or something. It's it's like next Thursday. It's September 16th. Yeah, yeah we're doing we're, the Life in Slow Motion tour. Are you guys going to yeah. be catching any of the shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, be, uh, we'll be at the show in Ford City. Ford City? Now it's a house show. That's going to be sick. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Bring your Crocs. <laughs> bring your Crocs. <laughs> yeah, so for anyone that's been listening to our episodes, we covered, um, one of the EPs in episode 16. So if you want to go back and listen to our, our uh, review, mm-hmm. that would be where you there find you it. Yeah. We talked about, um, it was a good review too. I was really happy to listen to it. Yeah. Listen, I'm, glad that you, I'm glad that you liked, I'm glad that you listened. Yeah. It means yeah, a lot. Absolutely. Dude. I am so grateful for anybody that wants to talk anything goalkeeper, you know, whether, you know, it's one song, it's, uh, you know, how much they appreciate the EP, any words kind of, you know like go way farther than anybody thinks for us so like thank you guys for enjoying music absolutely yeah so in in songs in my head fashion you know you we we challenged you to give us uh one of your favorite albums and uh you decided on the wonder years uh suburbia i've I've given you all I can, or I've given you all, and now I'm nothing. Yes. Talk about what a mouthful a of an record. album title. Dude, it is a wonderful, wonderful record. Um, I'm not sure how much history uh, research you've done or how deep you went, but like this went so deep for me in high school, hitting that pivotal point where, you know, just music meant everything. So like right. this, this album is chock full of just like smaller nuggets of like personality the band put into it that like 
I think what makes Danny Campbell one of my favorite writers, he just he does this thing where it's gratifying to the fans to listen over and over again because the deeper you go into it, things have deeper meanings and the songs gain deeper meanings throughout like you're listening and like before you know it, you're 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 caring about the old dude who died in their town. You know, they sing about like right. it's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. Um yeah, this was our first real exposure to the Wonder Years. Like we had both heard of the band and uh, somehow yes. I missed I missed them over time. So we were kind of excited when it was one of your choices. And um, yeah, I think I listened Good. seven or eight times and I got something different out of each one, each listen. Um, it just Good. got more and nice. more. I'm so happy to hear this is like a, like a deeper insert to the Wonder Years for you guys. They're like so important to me. I'm so glad you guys like them. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. This album's fantastic. Man. Yeah, very good band, especially that Philadelphia thing going, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so just a little bit, we'll, we'll just kind of get into their the history of the album a little bit. Um, so it was their, their third studio album. Uh, it was released in June of 2011, June 14th to be exact. Um, mm-hmm. So the band is from Philly. Uh, actually, I read that it was a suburb of Philly, uh, Lansdale. Lansdale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with? So we've played a few shows in the Lansdale scene, like um, similar bars uh, they used to play. And um, in fact, Matt Brash, he plays in a band called um, uh, Cold Climate. And we got the chance to open up for one of the shows at like a VFW hall in Lansdale. So it's like, it's like a prehistoric, you know, like what what a prehistoric one year show would be like, you know, with people like climbing on each other and like going crazy over that kind of stuff in a VFW hall where like you can get go get like a yingling, like a dollar, you know, next door. So <laughs> right, right, yeah, um, yeah. So so Lansdale is cool. Yeah, that it's it's right up the right up the road from Philly. You know, it's just easier to say Philly. Right, right. Um... So I read, and it's actually, it's all over the place, obviously. And I'm sure that you know that this is actually part of a trilogy of albums. Mm-hmm. So there was The Upsides, which came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. Then there was this one, which was 2011. And then uh, The Greatest Generation, which came out in 2013. I, I, I can see on your face that... Uh, you you have a very strong feeling about the third one. I have so a, a lot of strong feelings about the, the entire like that trilogy. So like, I don't even know how far did you want to get into it, but I could. But like, I got the upsides on a CD for my friends in high school. Like the first day, like freshman year, he was like, "Dude, you got to check out this record. It's like gonna blow up, dude." You know. <laughs> so I I gave it a shot, and I was like, "This is." actually something i've never heard before it's like right. i always thought that just like the lyrics were just super real and like to a freshman who is still just trying to figure out his place in the world you know that 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 angsty record where they have no idea what they're doing and they're just being like flat out honest about it you know you relate to it in a way so yeah no absolutely and in the trilogy uh, fashion i felt like i was growing up with those songs yeah and i i could totally see it and i, I feel like you can almost hear uh that they're definitely being more realistic and more mature on the second album which is this is suburbia um 
you know, and I definitely feel like it's more, it's more realistic. It's, it's not like a lot of other pop punk albums that you run into where it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like heartache and heartbreak. It's more, mm-hmm. you know, it's more, it's more real. It's more connecting. It's more like, it's a very different angle. Uh, Cause we always joke that like pop punk albums either have the, I hate this place. I have to get out of my hometown or I love my hometown. I love these people. And I feel like this record is kind of like, it's kind of like in a weird spot right in the middle where there are parts mm-hmm. where he, he seems like he could run away at, at a moment's notice, <clears throat> but that like the, the familiarity of suburbia for him is, is a more acceptable place to be. Yeah. I feel like the album listens to sure. almost like a diary because, you know, you hear that back and forth of him, you know, not feeling like he has a place and then finding his place and it's, right Mm -hmm. and um i think the best way i've heard the album described like when my my friends and i talk about it we uh we say let's let's put on the this is what i did today record because like when you listen to him singing it's like yep this is what i did today you know some of the things just feel so like natural and like you feel like you have a piece of their life you know like in yours it's so cool yeah i i agree and um I also thought that it was kind of cool that uh, a lot of this album, and it's throughout the whole thing, um, touches really deeply on uh, the Allen Ginsberg poem, America. Yep. Now, I'm familiar with Allen Ginsberg, but not familiar with this poem initially. So I actually went back and I kind of skimmed through it and saw how many how, how deeply influenced uh, Dan was when he wrote a lot of this album. So I think it's really cool that mm-hmm. he was able to implement such a deep, like a deep thought process to telling mm-hmm. his story. What I thought yeah, was kind of I amazing. Think... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, please. No, I'd love to hear. I thought what was amazing is that the poem was written in 1956. And I mean, so much of it still applies. And even the album is 10 years Absolutely. old. So much of it's, you know still what people are doing today 10 years uh you think about that right (laughs) right i know it's it's wild yeah we do this all the time point you make about the i know it hurts uh every time i feel like i'm reminded (laughs) but um yeah what you're saying about the way he incorporates the poem into like the whole record it's really cool there's small tidbits throughout every song it feels like he pulls like maybe even I think there's, I can't remember what song it is, but it says something about, I can't remember the line off the top of my head, but it feels like it's it's like almost a direct rip from one lines in the poem, but like he changed the name for like his friends or a situation he's in. And it's like, you know what? That's how you relate with something. That's how you know something's really affected you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the poem is actually really, really interesting. I, I mean, and it's it's a real introspective into, like, Ginsburg's viewpoint of, like, the American climate at that time, which is I think is really interesting. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, it's all stream of thought, like, stream of conscious. So, like, it's, it's yeah. like he's having a conversation with himself, almost, which I think is so appropriate. Mm-hmm for dan to have implemented that same like stream of thought stream of conscious process into his writing yeah you know i think this is where like this band 
took that time as writers and maybe if Dan is the main writer on all this project and like you know especially Dan took that leap from the pop punk kid he doesn't know what he's doing to like this is where I find my place this is poetry you know and he pulled from it you know it's really cool that he decided to find his, his own center in poetry especially with something that's like uh I think I'm not wrong I'm gonna say it Alan he's like from New Jersey but it's pretty it's pretty local to where now we sit well I sit fair yeah i mean and, and we were actually going to ask you about that like how familiar familiar you are with a lot of like the stuff the places that he mentions like in in philly and mm-hmm. you know those kinds of oh, absolutely yeah yeah if you go back an album to uh the upsides you have living circle you have washington square park you know i think sometimes <laughs> i remember when i used to go to the one year shows in philly um it's kind of like a day trip. You stop by like Melrose Diner and then you go to the Logan Circle and you sit there and like, it's so funny because you can see the other pop punk kids who are sitting around there like making their homage to the Logan right. Circle. Like, yep, yeah, uh, it's the wonder your show today. I gotta go see the fountain. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, oh, I gotta go see all these landmarks so I can exactly I can have it in my scrapbook. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It makes for a cool trip. I think, you know, and I think that that's a deeper point to it. You know, you have something else for your fans to dive deeper into and, 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 and relate to in ways right. and like actually physically visit, you know? Right. And, and I think it's also interesting and Kristen, I know that you can speak for this. I think a, a band that does that very similarly is uh, less than Jake. Oh yeah. Cause they, they talk so much about sure. so highly of like, of like their, their Gainesville connection, but also like their New Jersey connection because like, you know, there's there's a lot of history in both areas. So I feel like huh. like having that that landmark kind of familiarity is real cool. Mm-hmm. No, I totally understand what you mean. I did not know, however, that Less Than Jake has connections to New Jersey. I just thought they were a Florida band. Uh, yeah, it's um, it Vinny. Vinny. Yeah, Vinny, the drummer. The original drummer for Less Than Jake is from. So do you, do you know that Vinny runs the label that we're on? No, oh. you guys are. Yeah, we're on Lost Music Collective. Oh yeah, that's his new his newer. He label, did start right? Feel by Ramen. Yeah, hi, how you doing, Advocate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally, awesome. yeah. But um, mm-hmm. I did, I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, but yeah, he's originally from New Jersey. Small world. Yeah, and yeah. now even smaller because he's from New Jersey. I had no idea. Right. So if you if you ever actually, I got to bust his balls next time. Right. If you ever if you ever see Vinny, make sure that you uh, make sure that you give him shit for that. Mm-hmm. New Jersey that's man. in because they talk about him leaving in uh, Rockview. Hello, Rockview. They make a reference to really. getting out of getting out of town, and um, you know, there there's a whole lot of that in there. So it, it's it's really it's really interesting when you're able to kind of landmark associate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a song that I want to say starts with "I'm from New Jersey." Um, mm. Trying to think, what song is it? Oh, never going back to New Jersey. <laughs> well <laughs> yep there you go that would 100 and i agree i can't i'm not going to sit here and say new jersey is phenomenal we have a lot of stuff that goes on here we're in the news a lot a lot of stuff that goes here in new jersey that i do not like i'd much rather live in delaware i'm just kidding delaware is <laughs> <laughs> 
we've been at the Pittsburgh quite a lot. Um, just to interject really quick, I saw that you guys got like out of Pittsburgh. Beautiful city. Love playing out there. We've always gotten a really, really good crowd. We've always been very thankful. So like Pittsburgh's always a great city for me too. Hell yeah. Dude, the, the concert scene in, in Pittsburgh has always been a pretty solid concert scene. That's good. That's so, good. Yeah. It, it's definitely and it, it it sucks too because um we get skipped over a lot. Yeah, it I think I think Pittsburgh is it's either a, a it's a B market, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. However, you guys have four chord. We do. Yeah, we we're do have four chord. We're, yeah, we're gonna be Are you guys going to going? that. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. a really cool festival. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool festival. I I'm um I I'm friends with uh one of the guys that organizes it. Mm. Um, Is it Rishi? So, what's that? Is it Rishi? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's Josh. Oh, Havanic? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that dude. <laughs> <laughs> and the world gets a little smaller. Right? <laughs> yeah, Josh. Oh man. Yes, it does. Wow. We are, we're one degree away now. We are one mozzarella stick away from each other. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I wow. mean, like I, I've, I've known him for, you know, a few years. Um, we, we worked together a few years back and we're, we're kind of like, we're kind of like concert friends. We're like, we always see each other at local shows and we just like have that reconnect. Like, <laughs> like we never stopped the conversation from the last time. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. It's, yeah. So it's, it's that fun six degrees situation. It's a, the <laughs> next time you see him, or next time you talk to him, I mean, you talk to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. He's cool. I like him. He's I'll be sure. a really great guy. Yeah. I'll be sure to look at sure Loretta is a great band too. Yeah, look out, Red is dope. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to them since they first mm-hmm. came out. Yeah, yeah, no, they've uh, they've got a good. I like that band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're cool. Back um, to what we were talking about. Tangent right. aside, right? I don't don't worry. This episode or this this podcast is is tangents galore. So get ready. <laughs> um, Great. It, 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 so this album actually debuted pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. On the Billboard 200, I saw it debuted at 73, which is pretty good. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And they sold I'm... they sold a little over 8,000 copies in their first week. That's pretty big. Yeah, I do for... remember there's quite a lot of hype around them. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's pretty wild when you think about it, because, I mean, like, the pop punk scene in general was really, I think, it was, it was catching its stride in like like from like 2007 on because you had like you had bands like you know newfound glory and blink 182 and you know like even if you want to lump in like some 41 simple plan like you had bands that were really breaking through into some semblance of the mainstream and you know there were some that were able to to keep their their kind of like roots and their indie status without without like selling out as as long mm-hmm. as they do <laughs> I, I mean i think that that being a sellout is the most re- absurd dude i cannot process. wait to sell out third record it's gonna be a third goalkeeper goalkeeper record it's gonna be big it's gonna be fancy and then we're gonna explode afterwards and then we're gonna come back that's what's gonna happen i cannot wait to sell out it's gonna be dope <laughs> right 
Like, why, <laughs> why wouldn't, isn't that the goal? Like, when you're making music. Well, as you, an officiato on goals and keeping them, I do think that is the goal. Um, <laughs> and we definitely have big goals like that. Like, you know, I think it's silly to put a ceiling on it. You know, I think Great. that, like, our biggest goal right now, I'd say, is, like, Madison Square Garden. Let's play it and let's sell it out. Wonderful. Super cool. Let's do that. That and awesome. we do that, and it, oh, it's going to happen. You just keep pushing. Right. Mark is super annoying to talk to everybody. So, like, he will get to the right person. He will just keep nagging, nagging, nagging until we're right there on their doorstep. Well, I think yeah. a lot of people associate selling out with, like, changing and pleasing the crowd. And, I mean, there are some bands that have done that, but some, you know, keep their, you know, their roots and their, you know, their mm-hmm. style and still – yeah. I think the, the key they have is that, like, like authenticity. They end up keeping it like, and I think there is that different, that um, uh, what you said, connotation put to it, you know, where, oh, selling out. That means you did switch. That means you've like sold what you sold your soul or whatever you want to call it, you know, but like the music's changed. But like there is that genuine line between selling out and like just growing as an artist, you know, right. you're not going to be writing those pop punk songs from 16, 17 when you're 30 that's just right. impossible and if you did you're a creep grow up dude <laughs> <laughs> so if you aren't writing something a bit more which sure or serious and it doesn't mean you have to like leave the vibe you can still have fast music you can still have like simple chords that doesn't have to change but like you know stuff's going to change over the years you can't keep writing the same album no one's going to want it right well i think for me like um, there's a, a years I didn't listen to pop punk when, you know, I think when a lot of these bands were coming out because of that, like I was in a different place in life. I'm a bit older, mm-hmm. so I couldn't relate, yep. but like this album, totally relatable. I mean, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I don't yeah. And I think that like, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the scene, so to speak, <laughs> um, right uh yeah rock and roll right so like i i feel like i matured with the music that i listen to and you know i find a lot of it relatable so like being able to be an older listener to pop punk and then being able to go back and listen to an album from 2011 from a band that i had never listened to before and I'm listening to it and I'm like, holy shit, this is hella relatable is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a real, that's a real like high mark as far as being able to say like, you know, wow, I, I feel the feels from listening to this album. Like, I mean, right. and, and I mean, and right. you know, not to, you know, not, not to get you all riled up here, but like, I, I feel the same way about, life in slow motion nice honestly very good i feel I'm, like i'm glad you had this feeling thank you yeah i mean of the number of times i've listened through that and just the i can feel the the realness in the lyrics that are written it really mm-hmm. it, it 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 transcends you know age where you be, you're able to, to connect with with it on a more personal level well, that's that authenticity, like mm-hmm. in the lyrics and like 
somehow timeless. I mean, the the story never changes. Mm-hmm. These themes are always things that people experience. Absolutely. I mean, right. this is I'm glad we, we can connect that way. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this is why we do the podcast because, like, I was in a different scene a few years before you, more of a punk, like, not, I don't mm-hmm. know. And uh, that's why we started talking, is you said, oh, there was all this great stuff that I had missed because I was too old. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a few years between us, but it's, it's funny. Right. Um, but yeah, you would introduce me to the stuff. So like, that's why we're here and all this stuff, like, this is why we do the podcast because mm-hmm. there's so much that we missed. Right. That's awesome. And you know what? I think the, the response that we've gotten to life in slow motion has been insane. It's been, it's been very, very humbling. It's, it's a lot of respect for the people just taking the time to listen and taking the time just to feel something from the record, which is what we wanted to do, but not, I feel like in the way that we had, done so we wrote the entire thing before the pandemic before we knew anything about covid before we knew we were even stuck inside for so long and i feel like we touched on a lot of subjects that deal with staying inside and dealing with your own you know uh, fears and anxieties like this is fine is based off the meme of the dog in the room that's on fire because right. that's what the that's what that's the, it makes you feel that way you know and then that's what it's about it's just like so in lieu of all that, it's super funny that we ended up writing this record where we just wanted to get across what was our feelings at the time. Um, and then <laughs> fucking world happens. And we release it at what feels like a really pivotal time for not just us, but for everybody. Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, I, I, I definitely, I give you guys a lot of props for, you know, being able to release such incredibly relatable stuff at a time where where people didn't necessarily know and we still don't necessarily know what's going to happen or what's going on but Mm. you know it's one of those like hey you know like here's here's some cool music Mm. chill like calm down it's going to be okay well yeah i mean that's that's, we're here to help you right it's i don't know just that's the best thing of all this is all the music that's come out of it and stuff i mean we've you know as we listen it's like okay well we're gonna get through this and everybody's Mm -hmm. still trying to create and you know connect and that's the one thing that's i know kept me holding on sure for some normalcy someday agreed i heard something really 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 early in the pandemic where like it was one of the motivational things you hear every now and then like you go and you know it's great um i can't remember the context but it was hey, you know what, um, we had a quarantine before and back then, right after everybody released their best art. That's basically what the concept of, of the saying was. And I think that's true, you know? So just look at, I mean, a really good example, I think, is Halsey. So she just put out a rock album and it's killer. Um, and I don't think that she would have had the time to really digest her feelings and like express them the way she did through that. She didn't have that time. And that goes yeah. for other bands um grayscale who just put out umbra they've been on on about how much this time that they have this extra time to really prepare and and find a way to relate to the fans has changed the way their music presented and yeah it helps (laughs) no i bet no i i I completely understand yeah um yeah i mean you know pandemic times you know sometimes it's i mean this podcast came out of pandemic times because we realized that, you know, that we were already sitting down and having 
these conversations about music and you mm-hmm. know we're both pretty avid podcast listeners and we we were both like why don't we just do this there you go and we did and now mm-hmm. here we are yeah so, it's interesting to see what you come up with when you're bored <laughs> right <laughs> <You know? laughs> right absolutely so let's let's get into the meat and potatoes a little bit let's let's get into the yeah. tracks and um you know we'll we'll kind of go back and forth and you know just yeah, talk it absolutely. out so I've got track listing in front of me as well clutch cool yeah so the album opens up uh it really comes out swinging um <laughs> the album right it's a real <laughs> knee slapper uh so it opens up with a song called came out swinging um which i mean is a strong strong opener and mm. but it's really mm-hmm. it's it's very emotional right <clears throat> from the gate it really it really gets it sets the tone for what to expect well yeah there's like a 30 second intro which is building your anticipation for like what's to come along with the mm-hmm. uh, spoken poetry in the background line from america right mm-hmm. yep i think that's one of the coolest things it's like as soon as well obviously you already have the title which is introducing you to the poem but then like the first thing on the record is uh, i've decided there's gonna be trouble i think that's what it is and my mind is made up there's gonna be trouble yeah my mind is made up my mind is made up my mind is made up. trouble 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 yeah uh, yeah dude, so cool yeah but i mean like then when you really look at the, the way that the the lyrics open up and you're getting into you know very very personal lyrics where he's talking about you know, moving back in with his parents after, you know, what is seemingly the end of a long, a long road where, you know, he had just gotten out of a really, a really long relationship and Mm -hmm. he decided to pursue music full time versus becoming a teacher, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting that he, he gave up on a career. I think we, um, I think we pick up right from the story no, no, please. Sorry. I thought you were done. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. We pick up basically right there. Cause he says like, yeah. put my shit in my parents' basement. Like, yeah. you're like, okay, he's you there. Are... Like he's home. Uh, oh, oh, this is what's going on. You, you packed up all your shit. Got it. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. From what I was reading about the trilogy, that this is like a, you know, the bridge between you know, upsides and then this album. So I haven't heard that one yet, which mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go back and listen to them in order. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it oh, definitely absolutely. has that feeling of transition of, of, you know, how he was uprooted from everything based on, you know, the touring life. And... Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Um, the reference that he, uh, he refers to himself as a ghost. Oh, I love the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the the chorus is so great. Uh, but like he refers to himself. Yeah, they end as, up doing a great. They end up doing a, a really great job of like feeling, and transmitting that feeling of being stuck in just in the airport, which could be you know just a feeling for a musician, but like you end up understanding what he's really talking about. It's just this feeling of being like lonely, you know. Right. 
right and like just just like that picture and um of him like as a ghost where he's just kind of existing in the background almost and Mm -hmm. you know like life is happening but he's he just is not he's just there relatable (laughs) right super relatable um (laughs) but yeah i uh i am particularly fond of the end of the song um because i i love the picture that he paints um when he gets into i guess you could call it like a bridge almost Mm-hmm. um where he says like you know came out swinging from a south philly basement uh caked in stale beer and sweat under half-lit fluorescence and it's just like he's painting such a vivid like moment and what i read was actually mm-hmm. that that might be a reference to basement shows that they had been playing a lot of but it also is kind of a reference to the recording studio that they used um in south philly i forget what it was called i forgot to write that down yeah but so yeah like, i don't know what the studio is called but i definitely i think it was some apartment of theirs that they recorded all the upsides in yeah so like cool. yeah and then like the next line where he says like i spent the winter writing songs about getting better and he says, like, what is it? Uh, if I'm being honest, I'm getting there. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I'm getting there. And it's just so, like, this, mm. is a, this is a guy that is pouring his heart onto the paper and then yeah. putting paper to music. And he's realizing that it's a healing process. Well, yeah, that's what I wrote about. My, my first yeah. feelings of this is it's autobiographical and it's like reading his diary. It's like a peek into, you know, something you almost shouldn't. Yeah yeah be part of you know right mm-hmm. and i think it's also for maybe even just uh, conceptual reasons like the theme is if i'm being honest i'm getting there which is a huge turnaround not a huge turnaround i guess but like it's a positive turnaround to what you felt in the upsides where he's talking about all this i'm not sad anymore i'm just you know, i'm just tired most nights we're like still this exhausted kid still trying to figure things out right i'm now this is where we're picking up and we're going in for the direction saying I'm getting there. You know, it's explaining to the rest and setting the tone for the album, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's almost like you're, you're seeing this guy saying to himself, like, you know, like it's moving along, like things mm-hmm. are slow, yep. but it's going. Yeah. Um, and I think that is relatable. I feel like we've all been there. Man, <laughs> super relatable. <laughs> yeah i think that was a first a great first track and i mean that that hooked me to listen mm-hmm. to this again and again nice good good love it right so that track leads right into uh woke up older which mm-hmm. i mean just right <laughs> which right away i mean you're already feeling like you're already feeling that that just by the title you know, because you're like, yeah, every day I wake up older, like, and <laughs> it's, it's kind of like him venturing deeper, like into the end of that relationship and the end of him as a, him as a person figuring out who he is versus who they were. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think this is where we pick up that idea of like, this is what I did today because it feels like he's talking about like, this is, well, that song was probably written in a day because it feels like it's all written in the, in, you know, that Allen Ginsberg style where it's like, uh, what'd you call it? Uh, stream of conscious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got launched with your sister, you know, you said you needed a stiff drink. It's like, you know, some of the things that they say, just like, yeah, I get it. I need a stiff drink. Right. Um, and I mean, like, it, it even gets into him, like, you know, making sure that he avoids the area where she where she works because he doesn't want to see her. And mm-hmm. like, like the plague. Just, <laughs> right. And it's just like, damn, man, like, oh, like, yeah, dude, was... I have, you know, so I think that song definitely hits the uh, hits those ideas of like kind of avoiding and you know maybe putting some things off in a responsible way but like you know we're waking up older take one second time <laughs> right and uh i thought that it was a it was funny that he made a reference to uh the song woke up new by the the mountain goats mm-hmm. um i'm i'm like mildly familiar with the mountain goats i've i've heard some of their stuff because i know that they're more like a folksy kind of rock group yeah um but yeah like he the when he says like he he makes a reference to the lead singer of that band like directly when he says like when john mm-hmm. introduced so i, I thought that was kind Walk of up new let's say austin yeah. i knew yeah mm-hmm. yeah watch- i think that's song- uh, i'm sorry no, no, there was an interview and I was going to ask Josh if he saw the same thing and I did. He was talking about um, being at that show. They asked um, they asked Dan a few questions about, you know, um, stuff. And he basically said that when they were, they were singing, I forget which song, one of the songs, but it was like, the, the guy was like, there's somebody in this audience that, that this would apply to. And, you know, I wrote this for you. And he's like, it was speaking oh, to cool. me. And I was like, I love that. Like, oh, I do. That's cool. Of them connecting to something too, the way that we connect. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're so good. <laughs> <sighs> the thing that I like and that makes me want to go back to the um, first album is when I was reading the lyrics about stacked a, a stacked a Bukowski novel on the blacklisted LP, and this time it just looked like what it proved to be. Um, I was reading that it was a reference um, mm. to something on the upsides where everything I own fits in this backpack, where they were stacking Lonelier Than God, yep. which is a Bukowski novel um next to a, a blacklisted album like the name of the album so i was like well this is like a reverse yeah so i, I, I did see that mm-hmm. that's yeah like the symbolic thing of like that absolutely it's huge yeah i i think what attracted me to the one years so much was their callbacks and they're like um own acknowledgement of their existence because that makes sense like you know that and that's what makes it feel like the story is continuing because you're reaching back to a different time and saying you know and that's what makes it feel like one stream of consciousness because this is the same person it's the same character you're following the story right you know it's just another way of connecting i i, I that's the kind of stuff that like exactly goes so deep with the fans goes so deep as you as an artist you start to understand yourself more so like it's a really good record yeah. yeah, the subtleties are, are great. And I mean, even when I went back to We're read only on lyrics, track two. <laughs> right. <laughs> when I went back to read the lyrics, I was like, this reads like poetry, like separate from the music. 
Like yeah. it's even the lyrics are just really powerful on their own. And then mm-hmm. to music, yeah. I just <laughs> crazy. Mm. Right. Chef's kiss. Yes. Um, so the next track <laughs> on the album is local man ruins everything, which <laughs> is a great, mm-hmm. it's a great song title. And it's actually a Simpsons. Uh-huh. Yeah, when I found I that out, say, I if you didn't, mm-hmm. yeah, it is a Simpsons reference, and I also think it was the first song single off the record. Yeah, yeah, it was the first single, first of three. Nice. Yeah, because they released the video for this one first. Yep. And then mm-hmm. I think after that was came out swinging. They released a, a video for that. Hmm. This video is is interesting. I, I will say that I, I watched both of them last night, and I was like, "Oh, oh man!" I can't remember if I remembered the local man ruins everything. Video. It's not going to mind. It's just a Hank the Pigeon, just like in different spots. Well, yeah, yeah it's it's somebody dressed up as as Hank the Hank Pigeon. It's just kind of oh, like yeah. he's just kind of like going around town to mm-hmm. basically like all the spots they mention in mm-hmm. different parts of the album. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I really so, like this. man. Yeah. I really like <laughs> this, this track a lot. Um, I think it's a really like candid look at dealing with like depression and anxiety and just really, really just like the heaviness of the issues that he's going through at the time. And I, I think that that really, it really just hits home because like you know hi mm-hmm. being somebody with 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 the things you know <laughs> two of us with the things <laughs> right mm-hmm. so like you know I, I i really think that that it makes it, it humanizes the lyrics so much because it, it just makes it so relatable where you're just like damn yes yes yeah, certainly i also yeah, this think song- this is a time where like it was super relevant to talk about these kind of things and i feel like they did an excellent job at like just kind of saying there's their bet on it you know on what anxiety is and what just that fear of fear you know and so like how do you deal with it it's like dude, i don't know i'm not a self-help book i'm just a kid you know right. and i think that's basically saying like i've learned through my experiences i learned through my faults i learned through life so like to just live you know right. <laughs> I'll say that that's what I was going to say is there's two of my favorite lines in this entire album in this song the, that one you just mentioned and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> also it's not about forcing happiness it's about not letting the sadness win and it was like mm-hmm. you don't have to you know you don't really have to get there you don't have to get to ha- happiness just don't let the sadness win and yeah I got chills yeah yeah I know I've been I've been reminding myself of that even in the past yeah. couple of weeks, just listening. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's a great way to, you know, motivate. Because sometimes yeah, you just I remember can't fake finding it, you know? so many lyrics. No, absolutely not. No, I remember there were so many lyrics in this record that were very pivotal in my high school time as a kid and, you know, trying to figure things out. And um, just some of those lines, like that one, you can't, it's not about forcing happiness. Um, that one definitely went a long way. So, like, I totally agree with you there. I think this song is chock full of great lyrics. And I think this record is also chock full of great lyrics. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's some mm-hmm. more references to America here about like 
I don't have roses in the closet, but I've got pictures in a drawer. Um, mm-hmm. Just the subtle, the subtle references to the, like applying that America to his own life is just great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, as a drummer, I think this song is one of the best on the record. I used to, um, I used to warm up to this record, and I would just put on the first track and just play through till the end. Didn't have to be perfect. Didn't have to be square on, but like I knew that like that's kind of style that I wanted to develop and I just started practicing this record and the other two that I sent you they were very formative and like me as a musician so that's why I think you get that one one to yours feel from some of the songs that we have yeah and I think I think something to look at uh, musicianship wise throughout this record and I'm sure that you can agree um, is that like it's it's not it doesn't fit which is something that I've noticed that you guys do in your writing. It doesn't necessarily fit that standard box of, of pop punk where everything is, you know, like, you know, just fast paced upbeat, like, you know, punch in the gut kind of music where, you know, like sometimes, you know, like all the rhythms don't add up and you're just like, what time signature is that Mm -hmm. in? Like, I don't, And it just it's it's doing unique things with music that that keep it fresh and keep it keep it different. Yeah, absolutely. I think everything on the record was done purposefully. I think that like there isn't any part of it that comes across as you know mainstream pop formulaic music that they just wrote to make a quick buck on. I right. think. Instead, what they really wanted to do was make art, and then they did it real good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. To say it simply, they just, they knew what the assignment was. They got in there. They said, this is us on a canvas. Take it or leave it. And they said, give me, give me, give me. Like, give me more, you know. Yeah, we always joke that there's always, you know, filler on most of these albums, um mm. <laughs> we always say where's the party because like we were doing a madonna uh mm. cd once and it, where's the party was like mm. filler so we're like each album has a where's the party but this doesn't no. there's nothing here that isn't well placed mm. and it's all intentional and it's great mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree with you even you're beyond... unapologetic about it it's just like this is it yeah absolutely and if we follow the order of the songs the next one is suburbia which is that first introduction to this like kind of general theme they have in the record because it's called suburbia given you all now nothing you got three songs in the record that are smaller compact and tell a different part of the story and kind of bring you out and show something else and then they call me late in the end and now i'm nothing so like i forget exactly what my point was but it's the next song we can start talking about it if you guys want it yeah. <laughs> yeah no i was gonna say i mean now that you've mentioned it like suburbia is the next track on the album and it's really it's almost more introspective rather than it's like he steps away from his personal personal story to kind of tie it into like you know the bigger picture to paint a picture for us um i was shocked to find out how short it was yeah 51 seconds there's mm-hmm. a lot of information yes, in that 51 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Oh, he gives it. Yeah. And then you know what? I think the bigger thing here is it's 
just giving you setting. You know, you do get that idea of where you are within a record just based off like the lyrics and whatnot. But I think to give us a song that kind of puts us in a setting, I think that's even smarter. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're you're seeing, you know, you're seeing this this small town suburbia you know that this that this guy's returned to and it's not the same town Mm -hmm. that he grew up in it's not the same town that he remembers because everything is it's aged it's decayed everybody's leaving everybody's abandoning ship kind of and it's it's Mm -hmm. it's really you know seeing the area kind of fall to shit and you know like ouch i've seen that happen so like you know and it's it's interesting like we, he opens it up with uh talking about the bowling alley that burned down does not remember where is that um giving you all no that's, that's, yeah. that's yeah he he opens it up with talking yeah. about yeah the referral right. to uh i think i saw it was called lands bowl yeah oh okay uh it was a popular bowling alley that in the area mm-hmm. that burned down in 2007 yeah um so it was basically him kind of like recounting well it was a landmark for the city it was there for 66 years like i was Ooh. i yeah i took the deep dives on this stuff because i'm like mm-hmm. everything checks out like i love it nice right? i love that's those awesome. little details that make it all like real and that's the thing like the bowling alley is mm-hmm. a symbol of and now you know I, why they have like the most dedicated fans on the planet yeah <laughs> Right. Well, that bowling alley is a symbol of the town and like the, the fire is, you know, just a symbol mm. of how it's falling apart, just like everybody else there is falling apart. Yeah. And coming back to a town mm. like that with your fresh view and where you've been, it's just like, it's jarring. So like this song just sets that, that little, you know, stage of this is, this is the place. Right. The most famous mm. place to come out of there. Yeah. Is this is where we are now. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I know. Being a horror, <laughs> horror person, I thought that you. Yeah, when he said that, I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> like, let me listen again. Did he just say something really cool? He did. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Brydiarski, yeah. for the record, <laughs> is is that gentleman's name? Uh, the the guy that played Leatherface. Play Leatherface. Play leather yeah. He would. He played Leatherface nice. in two installments <laughs> of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So. Interesting. I I thought that was kind of. I've seen none. Yeah, yeah, kind of a cool fact. But I like that this. I'm kind of a wimp. Yeah, I don't do horror films because I am definitely not able to watch them without, you know, the eyes (laughs) covering your eyes. Me too. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. Not the only one. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, but I like the way. So, the album is the second in a trilogy of albums. And within this album, mm-hmm. there is a small trilogy of songs that tell the that give you the the setting of where everything is taking place. So, like you have suburbia, which is the first of three songs, and coincidentally, those songs are also the entire title of the album broken down into three different songs. Mm-hmm. Purposeful. again it's it's so well thought and so purposeful and i just it's like you like kristen was saying it's unapologetic like they just they want you to be able to put yourself right into everything they're talking about mm-hmm. yeah 
I think the yeah. one the one line in this song I really love was the whole town feels dead. I can't blame it. I was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You just kind of like look straight after you hear that line. You're like, yeah, no, I really like what he's saying. <laughs> so that track um, goes right into my life as a pigeon, <laughs> which is uh, a very unique title because then I, I saw all, all the references that they had to like the the hank the pigeon character mm-hmm. yeah um he's a big part of it yeah yeah i i definitely saw that um and i know that uh this song seems to be dealing with just somebody that's trying to find his place and you know try to heal and you know finding himself being so this is kind of back to our conversation about uh like one second my cat just knocked over something i have to pick up i'm so sorry please give me one second no worries come on bud what are you doing yeah that's what i thought okay sorry you can't control animals you know that happens oh my god i tried (laughs) I heard that if you put aluminum foil up on something that you don't, don't want your cat to jump on, it'll stop jumping on it. Um, and I forgot that I placed my trap. He jumped up on it and he got really scared and jumped off the aluminum foil. So, oh, that's what I was just dealing with. Whoops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it happens. Yep. You know what? And honestly, like that that we we like that kind of stuff in the show we don't like to have everything feel overproduced you know so like if you listen through some of the episodes like sometimes words are hard man and like i just trip over myself sometimes so like that just makes everything a little more candid um it's genuine yeah it makes it feel more about that so yeah so hey kitty i'm sorry you scared yourself Hank um, the pigeon. <laughs> yeah, he did. He he is not happy right now. Also, you're right. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so um, like, jump back to my life as a pigeon. Yeah. So you know, you have this guy that is is fighting his own mental demons and trying to find his own place while being scrutinized and criticized by people that are supposed to be supporting him. And he, you know, he's finding a struggle even with that. And it's just, it's tough. Like you're listening to him talk about it and it's just really difficult. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, um, I know, please. No, no, go. Uh, I think it's definitely that song. It's kind of, I, I, I've always related to like the end of the, end of the shift, end of the rope kind of thing. It's like, cause you know, we're able to shift, you know, he talks about it, but like, it just feels that very you know middle class working person who who does the you know 12 to 10 hour, 10 to 12 hour days every day and it's like dude where's my break yeah you know and also i feel like in the song he's searching for some honesty from some people if you want me to if you want me to go i'll go if you want me to leave then i'll leave you know or whatever the exact words are but you know i do feel like the song is just like and the whole album is but like the song in particular is just like that call out like where's my break right like, cut me some slack, man. Come on. Well, what do you want from me? Just tell mm. me and I'll do it. Like, we've, I've been there. Yeah. Um, Certainly. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say that Hank the Pigeon is like um, a symbol though. Like that's why they use him on the album cover and that's why he's a thing is because, you know, they say that, you know, pigeons are never wanted anywhere, but the pigeons don't care. And then they compared like how their band is the pigeon. They're gonna continue to flourish and regardless of this. And that's right. how they feel about themselves. And I love that. Yeah. Right, because like- mm-hmm. It's a very honest way to describe yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, I, they even find him, he even finds himself kind of taking a jab at the people that were that were giving them shit for writing the music they're writing, you know, kind of saying like, mm-hmm. hey, we're not writing the same music that we were writing when we were 17. Like, we're writing music that has- a story and has yep. feeling and that our writing style has matured and he makes a reference to the uh, similar things throughout the album it, it happens several times so you know i, mm-hmm. I definitely yeah it, it makes it feel more i think like, uh, small small tangent about one of the lyrics in this song is that um one lines is like they only like the seven inch this is my other cat He's right behind me um uh he makes us the line about only liking seven inch. And I think that's a, um, a reference to the older songs. They don't reference anymore because I'm not sure if you know this, the wonder years, you have an album before the upside that was called get stoked on this. And then there's something else before that, but like the first songs they started putting out, were like killer cow wish from space. And it's like, you're about to get fruit punch, Tommy. So like they have this, <laughs> this whole, uh, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they have this whole other side of the wonder years that like, they've decided like we're moving on from that it's not we are as band and i think that you know it's like what you're saying there's only the people that liked the old stuff they used to put out and they're like well tough <laughs> well it says a lot too because like bands are supposed to evolve and people are supposed to evolve so i mean if you're angry that they're only you know they're changing and they're not putting out that same music it says something about you i'm just gonna say i mean that's part of the reason that i started oh, it says a lot more <laughs> that's why why we mm-hmm. we started talking about music so much is because i realized i was stuck in like a past 10 years i haven't listened to anything new rut and you know josh was telling me how important music is to him and i was like all right well that passion is like inspiring i'm gonna go listen to some new stuff um but i think i was probably one of those people and i didn't realize it you can't you can't see well you know what what can you see Okay, um, my cat just climbed all over me. Come yeah. check out uh, my kitty cat. Say like hi. it literally came <laughs> over his shoulder and just climbed down his body and sat right in his lap. Cats do what they want. <laughs> he said, yeah, it's time for some pets. Dude, you've been sitting here too long. It's the cat tax. <laughs> right? He's my little dude. Um. I completely forget what we were talking about, but we were at my life as a pigeon. And I think we can collectively agree as a group. We kind of feel like pigeons sometimes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. (laughs) I know, I know at this point in my life, you know, I've, I've come to a point where I'm just like, look, you can take me as I am. And if you're not happy with it. Yep. Yeah. And I, I read they were saying that the pigeon, you know, thrives in spite of all the things. And I think I read a meme or something was like thriving out of spite. And I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to thrive out of spite, if nothing else. <laughs> so it's relatable. Right. Yep. Well, that's great. It's hysterical. I think it's I think it's really funny that the pigeon does strive out of like 
no one else's business. Just like, you know, I'm going to do it. Right. Satisfied. You guys don't want me here? I'm here. Deal with it. <laughs> so the next track on the album is uh, Summers in PA, which, I mean, first of all, yeah. like just the title call out to being from Pennsylvania and, you know, like Pennsylvania summers are always just just the worst we don't get many songs either i always like the pa songs because there aren't many right right it's always about new jersey or about ohio or something ohio's for lovers damn it (laughs) that's virginia i know (laughs) everywhere else is for lovers just not pa we got this shitty (laughs) shitty weather honestly but this song i think is a a real a real dive into like nostalgia and Mm -hmm. uh like kind of the idea that everybody's home for the summer and being able to see everybody again and just like just like being able to just kind of make bad decisions and just be with your people again Mm -hmm. and um you know i mean i I could definitely relate to that because i know that you know there have definitely been times where friends have moved away for whatever reason or another. And, you know, they roll back into town and it's kind of like, you know, ah, oh, shit, we're getting the crew back together. Like, mm-hmm. so yep, I feel like, call. you know, I, I definitely can understand where he's coming from, where, you know, he he's now returned to this place that he's familiar with and now, he's able to be with his with his people again with his friends with his with his family with you know the people that he cares about and it makes him appreciate being home more after being out on the road Mm -hmm. so you know that i definitely feel the like the realness of of that that like summertime kind of feeling where you know you're yeah. you're doing the thing with everybody i also think it's a um a point in the record if you want to think about it this way where i think the first word in the summer um for the first time this year i feel whole something about everyone being home i can't remember what it is but i think it's this point in the record where you feel relaxed you know you feel in your in your space your comfort zone which like you know, if you're if you're covering this story of loneliness and sadness in that search, you know, you do have those times where you are uh, safe, you know, and I think this song is kind of like about that, too. You know, it's like this is a feel good song, a record that is about not really feeling good. <laughs> right. We're trying yeah, to find love, your way through it, you know. Yeah. I love the line and it does it because we're this generation's outsiders. We've got worse intentions and they've got better haircuts. Mm. Right. Great. I love yep. I love that reference. That that outsider's mm. reference is so good. Mm. I also like the um and to jump back on references real quick, did you know that and when I think it's came out swinging, he says, We're this generation's Morgan. Oh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Morgan, Morgan Spurlock. Oh yeah. Morgan Spurlock. Um, and that's the guy who did the um the Super Size Me challenge. Yep. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I love that. How are you how are you gonna reference that dude? Like I come to find out when I found out it was him, I was like, oh my God, yeah, they're like McDonald's guy. <laughs> like, they're like him, but they're not, they don't admit defeat because like no. he gave up after, you know, a certain amount of time and they're not giving but, up. 
Yeah, and it's also so funny. It's like they're out on the road. They're touring the distance. Like, yeah, you bet our diet is absolute shit. <laughs> right. I also like the. Uh, there's a, a Ginsberg reference in this song um, about the plum blossoms are falling, hmm. and uh, they kind of use it like as a metaphor to like the, the blooming of like spring into summer. Yeah. Right. Which I, I thought was really. There's also a line in America about plum blossoms. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very pretty. It definitely gets you those um, I guess plum, purple, lavender. You know, and you just think about a summertime, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the next track is I won't say the Lord's Prayer, um, which I think is a really, really uh, for me is a very <laughs> relatable song mm-hmm. second um <laughs> that. because this is kind of like his his honest and open atheistic view of like the closed-mindedness of of religion and the people that are living in his town <clears throat> and how they're also closed-minded mm-hmm. i mean and like mm-hmm. you know it was like kind of a reference kind of a reference to you know everything with like organized religion as a whole but mostly in this song it's like the the christianity kind of thing which i mean hey you know i'm not i'm not against anybody that is religious if you're religious that's cool um but when you're religious and you're Mm -hmm. also kind of shitty about it (laughs) well because like it's okay so like i and you're shitty with your religion right yeah so like i grew up um in the cult of catholicism uh the cult so like you know i mean like organized religious organized religion is kind of bogus i mean like you know they really it's it's archaic you know their beliefs are kind of kind of old and I, i feel like this song really touches on on that about like how archaic and how absurd people can be when they're when they're following their god and it's like you know get real with yourself for a second like yep there's a powerful line in the song oh it's if we're all christians or lions i'd rather be on the sharpest side of your teeth i don't need to say anything and it's very definitive you know and it's like so i think this is and I've heard something on this before, but I can't exactly remember what the take was, why I decided to jump into a political take or, you know, in, in the record. But I think it has a lot to do with just where they're from. And if you know anything about the Northeast, we just fucking love religion around here for no reason. It's nine to five. If it's go to church on Sunday, you know, picket fence, your wife cooks meals, end of the day, you die, you know? And I think that's maybe just their way of saying like, fuck that. Like, this isn't what we're about. And that's what you guys are about it's not the right way i went kind of deep on this one and i have my reasons oh i'd um, love to hear it yes okay so yeah um the song again it, it it's a personal thing for him because um his parents from what they what i was reading his parents weren't particularly religious religious or pushing it um but he was um in catholic school for a year and went to like they said night school which i was like oh ccd like i was subjected to like 
that where you know there's people mm. regular people wow. teaching you about religion and they're just people themselves but they teach you don't do this don't do that so like growing up that way myself like and I have children mm. now it hit me when I had kids this line where it says we're women while women where women wear crosses push kids into half-formed beliefs it's that pushing pushing yep. kids and making them make choices that they don't understand and indoctrinating them into this right religion that they don't understand yeah so i mean from his experience having parents not particularly pushing it but i think he had like a like a vision of it you know the religion they, they teach you is like an unmalleable truth like you have to believe this there's no you know, there's no differences, but, you know, he sees, he sees it differently. And one of the interviews I was reading from Dan was Well, I think he's a classic character who, no, please. No, 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 go ahead, please. I mean, interject. No, no, I didn't mean interject. I'd love to hear about the interview. Yeah. So when he was reading an interview, he said um, that a lot of people um, that are religious look at this idea of afterlife as like the be all end all. But he was saying, you know, not Mm -hmm. believing in that, you know, the idea of no afterlife means that now that there's not a time limit and I need to be actively living this life. And Mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Like enjoy now. Don't live your entire life hoping for this future that let's be Mm -hmm. honest. We don't know. So there was that, there was a lot yeah. of, Oh no, absolutely. in here about criticizing religion saying like, yeah, people that think that, you know, if you don't believe in God in your afterlife, that your life's meaningless. And yeah. he's just kind of saying like, that's right. not true. And basically, mm-hmm. you know, well, I think some it's people, about deeper purpose for your life, you know? Yeah. Some people might say like this, you know, anti-Christian or anti-religion song, but he says there's no flaw in believing in God, but the flaw is being part of the church that's basing itself off of convoluted texts when you don't know everything. Right. And that's what I've always felt. Like we're just humans. Right. Like who made these humans like better than other humans right. to tell you how to live your life? Absolutely. Uh, this is, I have so much thought of our religion, but like the, the touching on mm. if Lot's righteous, I think I'd rather not be. And I went and read the story of Lot and. <laughs> oh yeah. The story of Lot is. Uh... Oh, <laughs> What is um, the story of Lot? I if, don't you're know. If, you can, if you can summarize it. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with the story of Lot, essentially um, Lot lives in Sodom, uh, sodomy, obviously, Sodom and Gomorrah, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. So the large population um, of, you know. So <laughs> and there was a large um, homosexual population in Sodom. And when there were two angels that came to his home in the form of a human being and the people of Sodom wanted these angels um, to do their thing with. (laughs) And uh, Lot was essentially like, no, no, no. These two angels are not for your homosexual things. Here's, (laughs) Here's my daughter's who are virgins who are virgins perhaps they can surmise your your desires rather than taking so essentially he was a homophobic piece of shit that gave up his daughters to to appease his religion and to appease these two yeah kind of garbage 
Uh, yeah, Jack there's Madden. a lot of like really, really particular religious aspects to this, like uh, the red door. Oh yeah. Um, I really like that line where he talks mm-hmm. about like uh, having having the door painted red um, so that the angel of death passes over them. Um, I also like how they wrap mm-hmm. it around where they say like oh, it's way to get gas. gas. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to mention the way they talk about the um, uh, God in his cheap sheet and his cheap seats. Yeah. Like it's a ball game. Yeah. Um, where they, they say like, they talk about the church with the um, uh, Jesus. Neon. Saves me, or yeah. Jesus. A neon light that says Jesus saves me. Yeah. Yeah. And they're talking about like, you know, God admiring from the cheap seats and it's like kind of the you know you have this guy that's the almighty sitting on high on his throne and he doesn't want to spend the money to come down and get the good seats so he sits in his cheap seats and admires mm-hmm. from afar and it's kind of like you know like, yeah. wow yikes yeah there are a lot of like symbols here that well you know seats. absolutely Um, you mentioned the the lion where he talks about Christians are lions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you Strong. read into the, the story behind that at all? <laughs> um, no, I don't really think there's. I haven't read the story, but I do get the metaphor. Like, if we're, I think it, the way I interpreted it is, you know, if there is, if we're Christians or lions, I'd rather be on the side of sharper teeth. Sure. Yeah, and, and sharper teeth metaphorically yes that is one thing that they touch on but there is actually a story behind it so um in roman times uh roman citizens would attend like these events at the Colosseum, um where they would just essentially feed christians to the lions yeah Yeah. so like (laughs) right yeah like and it was just for sport literally (laughs) like literally just for sport that's not good yeah so when you look at that Mm -hmm. line that's not it when you look at that line from that angle you're like well yeah you want to be on the side of the lions not the side of the christian like damn Mm -hmm. then like just seeing how deep yeah it's super deep like there's a million a million deep things about this (laughs) song honestly like but it doesn't come off that way no it doesn't doesn't. come off as you know judgy or i mean it is judgy yeah or judgy right like he's got a high like there's just so much here we lean on fences built from outdated morality being a gang mentality like Mm. that they don't ask you to think just to repeat after me and that's always something i've had a trouble with at church you don't know what you're saying they want you to say these things you just say them because everyone else is saying them yeah right Puts yep. thoughts to this being led by who right led by people they're just people I think it's the the entire song is like the entire song is basically like i'm going to question things you yeah. know uh, like in the beginning of the record you know i've made but i've made up my mind it's going to be trouble yeah you know yeah okay so enough with religious tangents let's <laughs> let's let's move on let's talk about coffee let's talk about coffee <laughs> So the next track is is, um, Coffee Eyes. Uh, I love the opening. Mm -hmm. The opening line is is fantastic. Um, Where he says, $2.27, January 17th, 2006. Which is 
a really cool like basic direct word for word nod with the exception of the date the year the year year different yeah it's just the year is different but it's a direct nod to the the ginsburg poem um where he says america i've given you all and now i'm nothing america two dollars and 27 cents january 17th 1956 and it's just like if i'm not mistaken i think that is soupy's birthday too yes singer of the yeah (laughs) Yeah, it is. Wow, it's I didn't also know. his wow, birthday, which I, is wild. That's, that is crazy. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I love like how they they wrap in like the nostalgia of their local spot and, you know, which is uh, Michael's mm-hmm. Family Restaurant, for those of you wondering. Uh, the waitress remembers their drinks. Yeah, I love that specifically they have a name mm-hmm. well like, like they say like patty and i'm like okay that like really personalizes yep um, sorry he came back like the character which i think is is really interesting but like it's cool that they that he's able to see this nostalgia spot as like a frozen in time kind of place uh you know where they have this this feeling of like sanctuary almost where they've yeah. got they've got the diner and they've got they've got their table and they've got their you know mm-hmm. got their they've got their place and that, that's I think it's like another a, landmark yeah you know? yeah it's another another landmark where they they feel safe mm-hmm. there's always a table very interesting there, there <laughs> is <laughs> It makes you think about like I think it's got a deeper sense of like even just like that northeastern feeling of of diners and and what coffee means to us. It's different, you know. Um, and I think that that plays an integral role on kind of how they've grown up as bands, where they show like this deep loyalty. So like that deep loyalty they have at the diner is kind of the same kind of things their fans show them, you know. Oh, absolutely. If you've ever been to a Wonder You show in Philadelphia, it is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that. I mean, you know, being from an area outside of Pittsburgh. Suburbia. Uh, suburbia, the <laughs> yeah, suburbia of Pittsburgh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I, growing up, my friends and I always had our, you know, our, ours was Eaton Park. You know, we always had like an Eaton Park where we would just, we, we didn't even have to be there to eat, even if it was just to get a, you know, to, to sit around and, and drink coffee or drink Mountain Dew and, you know, talk <laughs> about, talk about video games for three and a half hours. Like it, it didn't have to be anything. It was just, it was just the spot yeah. where everybody just went to chill and we all saw each other there. And, you know, so I, I I had a really deep connection with this song because of that, and I I, I really feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, or even even having the sense of like a local watering hole, because like you know like the small town bars and stuff. Like I, you know, growing up there was a local bar where I didn't even have to order a drink. I just went to up to the bar, and the bartender already knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's just because they were so used to That's seeing, awesome. they were so used to seeing like these certain people certain days of the week that they just knew and so like Mm -hmm. you know i think that having the diner mentality is really is really a cool a cool reference 
Yeah, they definitely made that cool aesthetic for themselves. You know, I think with this record, they really tried bringing it down to like, this is the average person. Yeah. This is everybody, you know? Absolutely. And that's why I think the record's so relatable. Yeah. Um, so from here, it kind of kind of segues into part two of the little mini trilogy. Uh, and it gets into I've Given You All, which is another kind of uh, another kind of landmark subplot to the whole thing where you're you're given this this picture of, you know, this this homeless guy uh, that lives in the park and, you know, you know, he was a Vietnam vet he was beaten to death and like you know so you're really getting this like really vivid picture painted around you know this event that he is recounting from his childhood and how it's like grown into this like folk myth thing because i I actually did read there was a Mm -hmm. news article that i saw about this exact guy Mm -hmm. and how he wasn't actually homeless he just preferred sleeping outside he needed some mental illness and yeah. whatever, but yeah, he was a free spirit and he just wanted to sleep under the stars. Yeah, so he had an apartment and he would just go and sleep like on the baseball field in a sleeping bag. And they never found they never I... found who killed him. Wow. Which, I mean, then like really adds a whole nother level of depth to this story part because, you know, they he says like uh you know like he almost felt like the police just kind of gave up like where you know they just said like oh it was just kids being kids and it's like uh but like they killed someone yeah Mm -hmm. ah kids (sighs) well this song had like the 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 picture like it painted a picture the alcoholics drinking by the train on their goodwill bikes Mm -hmm. What got me was the starter jackets for teams that haven't been, uh, haven't existed since the nineties. I I just want you to notice uh, that in my notes here, um, I don't know if you can <laughs> see, but in really big capital letters, I wrote starter jackets. Starter jackets. Because like I oh, I awesome. had mm-hmm. a starter jacket or two when I was younger, and um, they were the best. So like to have that line roll out there, and he's just like. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of old alcoholics riding Goodwill bikes, wearing starter jackets down by the train tracks. I gotta say, this that that picture hit me the same way that hearing um, the hokey from Wawa line that we talked about in the episode from the other. Um, I was like, it hits that same way for me. I don't know, just like this picture that. That's so funny. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, because we we live I've, on. Um... No, I was just gonna say we we live on the other side of that debate. We're on the sheet side. Oh, I know. We're on the, we're <laughs> on the sheet understand. side of the state. And every day, Wawa proves to me that I'm right. I mean, I've eaten at a Wawa, and it was pretty good. You know, this is a conversation for another time. <laughs> I've eaten at a Wawa. Yeah, who hasn't eaten at a Wawa? Man? Come on. <laughs> Do have that? I don't think they have them that far. I no. guess they don't have them at all that far east or far west. Better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. Listen out. We just got burgers and dinner. You know what Wawa's dinner slogan is? 
Wawa yeah. dinner. Sounds good. That's it. <laughs> Wawa dinner. That's uh, it. Sounds, you gotta say nothing good. else, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, Wawa aside. <laughs> but yeah, I. Uh... I, I really liked the this this second part of this story. I think is really, it again, it's just painting, putting you into the scenario. It's painting you a picture to to bring you into the whole story. And so much emotion when he says, "Man, I'm sorry." Yeah, I know. Right now, it sounds like so hard. Like the song is almost like a, a eulogy to him, which is even cooler if you think about it. Like he's like this myth about the town's legend. You know, and to give him that honor of throwing him the song, you know, if yeah. he can do anything for him, you know, at least we wrote him a song and at least yeah. got to say I'm sorry. Absolutely. So uh, that track is followed up with Don't Let Me Cave In, which uh, is a really, really deep track about having that one person that will just help you out when you're in the toughest darkest place you can be and mm-hmm. having those that crutch <clears throat> that emotional crutch of of your your close friends to be like hey don't let me go to my dark place don't let me don't let me cave yeah. in like don't don't let me succumb to the bad thoughts yeah and i think and it's an interesting can, spot he puts himself in in the story where he's just very open very honest very it's like this is you know what i'm going through and i need you to be there for me please right yeah there was a couple lines here that really got me it was you know there comes a day when you rectify who you are with who you want to be i can't make the two things coexist so don't let me cave in and i was like man i I get that (laughs) and then dude that's such a sick line and then the, the the talk about, I tried to make a life in the Midwest, but the Rust Belt keeps breaking promises. And being from, we're, we're on the edge of the Rust Belt. Right. We're old steel town. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, we get it. We see yeah. it. Well, but also, yeah. I don't know if you read into kind of the background of that. I guess this, this part of the story is kind of, uh, kind of backtracking a little bit to what led him to the beginning of the whole album. Because uh, after he had his breakup, he moved in with a friend of his in Chicago. And he talks about like the Sears Tower and stuff in Chicago and how it reminds him of the Sears building that was imploded in Philly uh, that he remembers watching on TV with his grandfather. And like he considered actually living in Chicago for a while after his breakup, but he said that it, he just didn't feel at home there. He, he didn't. He didn't feel like he fit in. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Chicago the rest of kept break promises. <laughs> <sighs> well, maybe that was me. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> Wow. The more I think about it and with the context of what you said about him not sure if he wants to go out there, you know, it's, Chicago looks desperate. Maybe it is me, you know, that's, that's a, some deep insight. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. So 
the next song on the album was a really 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 tough song uh and when i listened to it the first time and every subsequent time after that i really really was like wow this this was a tough song for them to write oh yeah uh because the next song on the album is uh you made me want to be a saint and uh it's basically the whole song is about them burying a friend of theirs Mm -hmm. uh yeah essentially the guy's name was uh mike pallone or mike Poloni. Mm -hmm. uh he was a a longtime friend of of dan's and i mean he was friends with everybody but but specifically he was really really close friends with dan and uh Mm -hmm. he had a long battle with addiction and it, it eventually you know took his life and you know this song really you know really really like shows the impact of the of this guy's death that he it had on him and you know like he says you know he talks about like when he threw dirt onto his casket and how like it it really was like a closure thing for him um mm-hmm. and how they had to you know like they were the pallbearers like they had to carry the casket up there and everything and how difficult that was for them yeah i buried half a decade there it was the be- better part you catch the reference if only you could hear which was a reference to mm. better half by the get up kids which they both loved yeah wow i also think there's a line in there about um it's how dave said us like the last three years had never happened which yeah. is a reference to um and uh, the Wonder Years, uh, what's the song called? All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, which is the last song on the upside. Yeah. And it says that line is, how wonderful to see Dave again. Uh, and then, you know, it's like bring calling back to that song and then bringing it into here. It's That's super emotional. You know, A, they already have the history of somebody who like, whenever we'll ever see him again. And then B, you see him again, but it's at this guy's funeral. Yeah. Uh, I also really really like the the part of the song where you can hear that they really struggled writing this but also like the the line um where he says that he does he knows he wouldn't want it to be a cliche ballad Mm -hmm. so like they wrote they wrote this song intentionally fast because they knew that that this guy would give him shit if they Mm -hmm. wrote a if they wrote him a ballad as his eulogy. Right. That personalizes that character so much, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the line, the line that they said, you never got me down, Ray, I never went down, was his last Facebook status before his death. So, like, that was just really... really yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a reference wow. to... To a movie, right? Uh, Raging Bull, a 1980 boxing film. Yeah, I guess he was, yeah. like, a big Scorsese fan. Wow. And that was like his last post before he died. You know, so they, they never really got the the clarity on exactly what he was referring to. But mm-hmm. yeah, so definitely so many really like deep personal references in this song. Yeah, and the part that got mm-hmm. me like emotionally was, you know, mm-hmm. the fucked up part is I kind of always knew we'd have to write a song about this. And like, you always know the people that 
that you worry all the time that they're going. Yep. You know. So, I really wish it wasn't for you, kid. Here, wish for something new. Whatever the line is, but yeah. And there's that little tagline he says at the very end. You can hear Dan like whisper, like "Miss you, buddy," or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So super emotional song, and, it, and if you listen to the context, but the sound is absolutely killer, and the song kicks ass. <laughs> oh yeah, the song is amazing. Yeah, I wrote the, that ending though mm-hmm. because like the fucked up part is fuck, like, <laughs> like man, yeah, fuck, miss you, buddy. Yeah, it's a good song, right. and it goes right into what do you other. Yeah, so then they bring you right back up again, and right. With another like super super relatable to the area song, uh, "Hoodie Weather," which uh, I love. <laughs> I've, I've, oh yeah, I love this song, and I also love "Hoodie Weather." Uh, yeah, but like, I totally agree. This is this is the point uh, where I would say in an atypical pop punk album, this is like the "I hate this town." I'm never leaving this town. That's what this. This is definitely that one that drives it home where like, maybe this town isn't so bad after all. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of like him yep. coming to the terms that like, maybe I should stop running and maybe I should just mm-hmm. live. The line that, that, I, that I, that really drives that part home for me is when he says like, I was born here, I'll probably die here. Um, and I, I thought that that was really Let's like, go home. yeah, right. That was really like a, this is my home. This is accepting mm-hmm. the feeling of, and comfort of home and the stability of just like staying here. And like, wow. Hi. Yeah. Me. I think there's me. a line later in the song that says, um, there's a line in the song that says, um, as fucked as this place is, it made me me. I think yeah. that's it. And it's in the bridge. And it's, yeah, I think that's exactly what you're saying. It's this culmination is feeling like, you know what? I understand. I get why I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, and I get why I feel accepted here. We've talked about this as being a theme, like in pop punk is, you know, this town, you know, this town sucks, but it's my town. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you can't talk shit on it. I can't, you can't. <laughs> yeah, and we've, we've felt it. And then we both feel this way because we've, we've been born and raised here. So like, that's how we feel about our town. Yeah. I sure. said I'm gonna die. Here. Right, absolutely. <laughs> right. Uh, Let's go home. There were some really interesting references in this song, though. Uh, the one right out at the beginning, um, where he mentions like, where the waitresses are girls that graduated with me, uh, have problems with oxy and can't recall what I drink, what I had to drink, and I, I think that's a really 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 like subtle but also really really deep line because like you know opioid crisis hi that's oxycontin that's a very realistic thing and you know i know a lot Mm -hmm. of people struggle with that uh so i i that's like such like a subtle little detail in there that you're just like damn like wow also it puts you in a different kind of diner you know i mean I don't know if they had the Irish in Pittsburgh, but um, we have plenty of them over, over here in New Jersey, you know, and like you can go to a different one down the block every block. So like going to a diner, I've had the waitress who is like strung out on oxys, you know, and just like 
it's it's a the different it's a a different part of town it's that different feeling that they wanted to give to you that they experienced in their everyday life and it's awesome to kind of write way to write about it it's not patty who knows your drink <laughs> right now no this is not patty this is not her um i also and i know that you were talking about this i also really enjoyed the line uh growing up means watching my heroes turn human in front of me um and that was actually like a very, very specific reference for, for Dan in particular, because he was talking about like touring with and befriending the guys from Newfound Glory and yep. how he like grew up listening to them and then had the opportunity to, uh, to like tour with them and be friends with them. And it's just like, it's humanizing somebody that you held on a pedestal for a long time, which I think is really, really humbling. Yeah. Um, it's a I complicated mean, feeling. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure you being a touring musician, you know, I'm sure you've run into that where you, you have people that you really respect as musicians and now you have the opportunity to play with them. And it's like, wow, this mm-hmm. is so crazy. Like I never thought this would have happened. Yeah, the one interview. Well, I think the the. Oh, go ahead. I'm not pleased. I'll say the one interview um, that they were referencing here just basically said that you know he would he would talk to Jordan and find out that he was just like a regular guy, like talking about like having a baby coming up and being a father and like just a regular person. Yeah, and I mean right. that's. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've realized as a musician is that like people are just people at the end. Like I used to be that kid because I came in a, in a small town. I didn't know anything and I want to get out of there. And everything that was not my town seemed so like out of character and wild and like fantastic and, and like <clears throat> not real. So you end up meeting people who are doing this and do this every day. And it's literally their life. I'm just like, wait, this is, this is just another form of reality that this is a guy living his life he goes to the grocery store to get milk so do i like he just right. happened to write these incredible lyrics and like it is very humanizing so like, like when i you know for life in slow motion we got to work with <clears throat> will from cartel and kevin from head lights and those are two bands that mark and ryan both grew up on and that i found influence in myself and bands that i listen to now so like it's incredible to find out that the world's just real <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I I know, like, even in doing this show, like, uh, I mean, obviously talking to you uh, has been a treat and, and, you know, actually becoming friendly with you. And, you know, I look forward to the opportunity when we see you guys live to actually like hanging out. Um, But like also. Or getting a beer. Yeah. Right. But also like in doing this show, uh, you know, I, I've, I've personally gained a fan in, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Boys Night Out. I think so. Yeah. So like we've covered, uh, two, we've covered two of their albums on the show. And after every episode, I, I like to just kind of like at whoever we talked about just mm-hmm. on the off chance, you know, that like one of them will hear it and be like, oh, that was cool. And yeah. like I have, I have befriended Certainly. the lead singer from that band, 
mm-hmm. through that That's opportunity. Awesome. And it's just like him and I just talk as though we've known each other for years. And it's, it's like, he's just a regular dude. Like he talks about like hanging out with his kid and like, you know, like we were talking about, like, we were both like talking about our kids, like who are relatively close in age. And it mm-hmm. was just like, wait, you're just like a regular guy. Like, yeah. And it's just like, it's just really like, wait, you also put your pants on one leg at a time. Weird. So it's just, it's just like, it's really, really humbling to, to realize, you know, that like these people that you've idolized for so long are really just people and they're just living their life yeah. too. Yep. They have the, the same, same kind of issues that you do just Absolutely. on a different yeah. scale. And like, they also, you know, so they just happen to be in the right time, the right place, the right minds to write down feelings that you happen to have, yeah. you know? So that's what it comes down to. And it's like, I think that's what made it more possible in my eyes. Like if a real person in this real life who, who worked a nine to five, like me, who worked down in Delhi, you know, that kind of stuff, if they can go out and do this thing and then realize their dream, which is also the same dream I have, this is real. This is possible. Anybody can do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think also it's cool in this in the next part of the song where they kind of like reference uh, again with the um, how did they refer to it like the seven inch kids? Yeah, mm-hmm. where they where they refer back to you know like the they that they're able to see how immature their previous selves were, mm-hmm. and it's it's also really humanizing of them to like see that part of it and like. Uh, they also have a reference late in the song uh, about the time of year when hoodies are enough. You know, mm. when it's like it's getting cooler, but not like frigid cold. Right. Uh, you know, so he's just like, I just put my hoodie up and just do my do my thing. And it's like being somebody from from Pennsylvania. Like, yeah, I get that. Uh, but also, like, I'm, and I'm sure yep. that you can relate to this being somebody that is Pennsylvania adjacent. Uh, no, absolutely. I don't. Uh, I don't know anything other than hoodie weather. I think fall, winter, like I, I, that's that's all hoodie weather for me. <laughs> yeah, South Jersey is just about the same, except for summer. Summer sucks. Summer is the absolute worst. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I really, I love this song. Um, I think it's a very relatable song. Mm. And then, uh, you know, kind of leading into the final track on the album, which is the third and final part of their little trilogy, uh, which is, and now I'm nothing. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like this is kind of Dan really coming to terms with with the struggles that he's been having uh with with kind of his inner demons because i did read an article or an interview with him where he talked about really really candidly about how he struggled with suicidal thought oh sorry trigger warning everybody where he struggled with 
suicidal thoughts uh, for a long time. And uh, it was really in the writing of this album where he was finally finding a way to battle his inner demons um, and kind of get past that. And he said, like, the feeling is still there, but it's not as prominent as it was. So I, I think it's incredible that he was able to to kind of use all of this uh, as a way to to heal himself mentally. Yeah. Which I think is very important because, and I, I know that you guys uh, lyrically and some of your stuff from Life in Slow Motion kind of got into the realism of like mental health uh, and just sure. how how underspoken people are about it. And I, I think it's very important. And I, I think to have somebody who's so open and so honest about the fact that like, they're struggling and they're having these mental demons and to see somebody that's saying like, you know, I'm not trying to live three days in the future. I'm just trying to live right now is really, really empowering. Mm. Um, you know, I, I find sure. a lot, absolutely. I find a lot of, of, of power behind that. Yeah. I think that the way that he has brought around this record I think, and now nothing, it's just the the perfect title for something that feels like almost, I, I don't know, maybe in a way like a relief and now I'm nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, you finally found that like you've been searching and searching and searching and trying and like, like, you know, in this world where you feel lost, maybe it is okay to feel not like, feel like you are nothing. You don't have to be something. There is some relief in knowing that, you know, the pressure is gone. You can be whoever you wanted, you know? So um, that's, uh, that's very, conceptual in it but i think um i think the song just has a deeper meaning that the character is showing the growth like i think that's what the song is about but like i might still be in the same spot but like mentally i'm not and i'm making a lot of progress and like you know the growth is happening yeah i i agree um you know and uh <laughs> I did find a little irony in the one line where he talks about uh, the the manger scene uh, that was set up between the cannons, and uh, where he says like uh, they stole the baby Jesus every year. They mm -hmm. stole the baby Jesus every year, but like it's not just there; it's always the baby Jesus. That happens here too. That happens here all the mm. time. But like I was like, yeah. nobody stops them. It's a nice tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no one ever really sold around my area. So maybe this is a PA thing. Suburbia thing? I yeah, don't know. I don't know if maybe it's just yeah, like, they... like a boredom in suburbia yeah. where it's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, let's let's really get him. Let's let's take the baby Jesus out of his manger. Ah. <laughs> uh, we got him this time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um and and this oh, song yeah. is give me one second. Let me put you on speaker. Is that Thing. my um my airpods died on me oh no there we go how's that sound sounds fine all right still able to hear us i am we're back okay, at cool. it perfect nice um this song also is it just absolutely laden with more ginsburg references which i think is incredible it's an incredible way to really 
to really round out this whole album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says like, and suburbia, stop pushing. I know what I'm doing. And the Ginsburg line equivalent of that is uh, America, stop pushing. I know what I'm doing. So like, you know, this is really like showing, you know, the, the, the kind of level of, of depth that he's putting into his lyrics. And like, like Kristen was saying before, where everything in, in this album just reads like poetry. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he, he definitely did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of intention through everything he's saying. And I also think it's just like uh, a case in point for the characters saying like they're finding confidence in themselves. You know, stop. I'm suburbia, stop pushing. I know what I'm doing. You know, yeah. I think that's really what it is. This song's about the character finding their, their footing again, you know, and understanding what they're doing and growing. Like I said. And that like finding happiness and everything and getting to that place is always an uphill battle, but he's doing it, you know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the best that Jeff got. Yeah. And I mean, like, and also kind of trying to find a place of his own, really, not necessarily a physical place, but like, you know, like a place in the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I also like... <clears throat> I also really like uh, the line, Alan Ginsberg of this generation, but without the talent, madness, or vision. <laughs> I, I really like that. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's very, yeah, it's very coy. And it's so funny that they mentioned Alan Ginsberg. And it's like, okay, we know that you can reference yourself, but you're going to reference the thing you've been referencing this entire time. It's like saying the name in the movie. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's very like, almost like breaking the fourth wall where it's like, Mm-hmm. right like it's it's almost like uh like inception like a dream within a dream kind of thing where where you're just like oh wow okay even you are realizing that you've been referencing this guy the whole time okay but yeah. then the irony yeah. of that oh, is oh. the irony of that is like people are going to reference his lines i mean i've already done it yeah mm-hmm. so. it's like a keep gift that keeps on giving also, this is a um, uh, uh, point that I've been meaning to make until we got to this song. Um, so, and now I'm nothing, right? It's the last song on the record. I got the chance to catch them on the tour with, it was um, Hostage Calm, Mr. Fireworks, and The Wonder Years. And they did a VFW show in Delaware, not too far from where I am. And it was like the last stop on the tour. Okay. The last off on the tour, they just released this record. Um, they're having like the time of their lives. I got there first to the show. I was the first kid in line waiting. We got to the very barricades to the show right at the very front. And like, this is like my first real like scene show, like VFW Hall, like marches back. You can give the guy like Venmo and weed and like he'll get you like the merch. And like, you know, nothing was official. This felt like, music to me so so in this moment they're there they're at the last song of their set and said i now i'm nothing and uh, the song builds to the end where it says i'm putting my shoulder to the wheel and then it cuts out for a second comes back in right so i'm yeah. thinking to myself this is my moment i got a crowd here i got to do it right so i see all these kids climb up on stage the whole show it's like that's when i'm gonna do it and then so that moment's coming up 
So I hear, I get myself up on the stage and Soupy sings, put my shoulder to the wheel. And I go, I just throw myself off of the stage. My back hits the crowd as soon as like the music starts coming back in. Like it's pulling me all the way to the back. The music keeps going. And I just like feel like so lost in this pop punk moment. I remember that's exactly what made me want to create that. Like that's what made me want to be in a pop punk band and do those things right. was that specific moment and this record. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that that sounds like one of those like moments that you'll just never, never forget. It's a movie moment, man. I will never forget it. Right. No. <laughs> it's what I've coined as my most pop punk moment. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, records. Yeah. Yeah. The record's incredible. Honestly. I mean, like from, from beginning to end, uh, the record's incredible. And I, I, I definitely want to go back now and listen to the rest of the trilogy. Yeah, I'm definitely mm-hmm. a fan. Yeah. Oh, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you definitely picked a good one here, but like, nice. I was really, I was really wondering what you guys were going to think about the choices. I'm really glad this one stuck out to you. Yeah. This one for sure stuck out to both of us because it was kind of one of those bands where we, we've both heard about them a lot but like never never were exposed to them mm-hmm. a great amount so we were definitely mm-hmm. like oh we're definitely doing this album so awesome. yeah so you're saying that you, you would say for sure that your your most pop punk moment was was a reason for choosing this album oh absolutely yeah, without a doubt. You know, it was hard to pick between. I know I wanted to give you guys one of the Wonder Years records to to investigate because I've already known so much of the like the history behind it. So the hard part for me was picking either the Upsides, Suburbia, or Grass Gen because they're all in that trilogy, which is super important just to me as a fan. Sure. Not to say the albums afterwards aren't worth you know doing a fair time and research and whatnot, but those three definitely had that place in time. So like. I already know like everything about the one of years uh, the suburbia album because like I got super obsessed with it when I was in high school and like just revisiting it with you guys has been super awesome. There's like a lot of fun things that I forgot and it's like wow, I feel like my appreciation for this record has been like revitalized. Good, good. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what we wanted. And I mean, even talking to you, we we were we've been living this album for a couple of weeks, just listening and listening, and like hearing you talk about it just hearing someone else's passion about it, it just makes it that much better. Absolutely. I love that you guys are getting that feeling. It is a very important record to me. Um, I could have done equally as annoying for the transit record and equally as annoying for the fall boy record. It's sent that way, but I'm super glad you guys picked one to you. This one definitely has a spot in my heart. Hell yeah. Um, so now, you know, we've, we've wrapped through the record and I actually have a, f- a couple things for you. Sure, I, I, yeah, I got I got a couple questions for you. Little little quick interview. So, nice. so how, how long have you how long have you been a drummer? Um, so I started in third grade. I stopped up because I was also in third grade and I was like, I'm not playing, I'm stupid, just dumb, I'm not learning. And I think it back up in sixth grade. And then from there on, it was pretty, I was pretty in, in depth with it. High school, I started my first band. So like I had those four or, or like two or three years to get, you know, good. And then as soon as I like could find somebody 
play music with in high school. I found them. We started like a blink kind of band, you know, and then from there on, I wasn't playing drums. Nice. Uh, do you play anything else? I play the guitar and I help um, Ryan and I were the main lyricists for the band. So Mark doesn't do any of the writing and well, lyrics anyway, me and Ryan do them every time. Cool. So it's pretty 50, 50. We like bring ideas to each other and like go back and forth. We're like, we're like each other's Mark and Tom. Nice. Nice. Um, do you have any like really interesting stories from being on tour? Man. Um, well, one of my favorite stories to tell is um, we were on a, on a tour with this band called Gold Route. Gold Route, I forget how, which, which way they preferred it to be said, but Gold Route. Um, and anyways, we were in New Jersey and we just got in our van and it was a really nice night out. We got super drunk and Mark was like, you know what? I'm sleeping on top of the van, dude. So he, slept, he, he got up there in a sleeping bag and he, he got on top and he started sleeping. And I think this dude woke up at like, 5 30 6 in the morning because the sun was literally like melting him into the van <laughs> <laughs> didn't even think about it no protection on top of the van right yeah, direct sunlight this guy like wakes up he's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was um that's one of the, that's a funnier one uh, that's the first one off the top of my head but we do some stupid stuff unfortunately we haven't had enough time to do more <laughs> stupid things because we had we had a lot planned before covid but like you know what everyone did it's, I'm not, there's no point dwelling on it, but we are right back at it and we plan doing plenty more stupid things this next coming tour. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so like, what was your, what would you say are like your top three favorite live experiences you've ever had? Like top three concerts you've ever been to? So top three, the top would be the one year's experience, right? Sure obviously that's yeah, I mean, yeah you one. can't you no. can't can't have a story like that no obviously not absolutely not um one that i particularly enjoyed that comes to mind right now is um it was all time low you mean six mayday parade oh, and pierce the veil and it was like a spring fever tour or something but it was outside so like this is the first time i like i got to see like an outside concert in philly okay um now it's just an amazing show i remember at the end all the time i was playing dear maria and jack the guitarist jumped into the crowd and he was playing the solo and i got to like fizzle with his hair and he was right there that was a really <laughs> cool experience for me i thought that was really nice um, nice um and i think my third choice will be my first concert my first concert ever i saw green day with afi for the 21st century breakdown tour wow that is a yeah. great first one that's a hell of a show there it was august 3rd 2010 not wrong i think that's the date wow that's a hell of a show but that was um that was it yeah i mean it really is not much else to say about it it's huge production obviously because green day they're on a massive stage and also to open up with afi that's like and punk as fuck yeah absolutely that is super mm-hmm. punk like <laughs> So you mentioned earlier uh, that you guys were just finishing up stuff in the studio. So, so what's, what's on the horizon for goalkeeper? Um, so good things. Good things. We went into the studio again with our buddy, Nick from men overboard. He's now at the Gradwell house. He did a reimagined version of black and blue. If you've heard it, he did oh, that. Yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He helped. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, 
we had such a great vibe writing that reimagined virgin with him and like speaking of the wonder years they did burst and decay which is like their acoustic songs versions of songs and like they reimagined the same way we did with black blue that's where we got our inspiration and nick did it with them so like like yeah let's do that with him so when we got in there to write it it was like an awesome vibe immediately the song came out awesome and um just everything added up to where we could do the next uh step of goalkeeper with him so we asked him if he wanted to and he was super stoked um we got two weeks in there just got finished and then another week or so in december so we're gonna rock that but like uh it's the first lp Ooh, yeah yeah i'm stepping it up now it's big stuff <laughs> moving yeah, up moving was, up from the eps going in five tracks come away. <laughs> yeah uh, yep the only um the only bad thing i've ever heard about life in slow motion fingers crossed is that it's too short so might as well you know double it up <laughs> that's true give them more yeah, yeah. i mean it, it, i I wouldn't necessarily call that a bad thing. No, oh, absolutely not. No, that's the well, good, bad thing. You're leaving people wanting more. That's it. And when you're starting out, I think that that's pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know when we heard absolutely. it, we, we were just like, all right, very slim margin because somebody could catch Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, we have that slim chance to catch you. And then if we did, great. And then if you by chance you decide to turn on the rest of the ep you we have 15 minutes basically to like <laughs> razzle dazzle you you know so i'm glad this song talked you guys i'm glad that we're here yeah for sure yeah we found we found your band by accident both of us just by chance yeah really? and i went and i went and told josh i'm like you oh, wow. gotta hear this and he song? goes oh gosh um i think it's sun- sunshine happy um the first song i heard from you happy? guys was yeah. uh was Pong Partners. Nice. Wow. Throwback. Yeah, that was the first song <laughs> that I heard from you guys. And then she That's had actually heard, product. I think your your first one was Sunshine, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that yeah. was what caught me. Yeah, I think it came up like in a daily mix or something. Yeah, because I liked other nice. things. That's cool. So I told Josh, I'm like, you got to hear these views. I know this band. I'm like, you seriously? You know everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and it's funny you guys found um like the two love songs i know like we have some more positive songs which is great but like the both those songs are love songs you know and i think um what goalkeeper really intended to do in the beginning and we still do is you know put a more positive vibe out there write a love song you know right right catchy ass pop punk that's got love i mean you know what though even some of the songs that have like a deep like like happy i think i found that pretty early too that's you know the end of a relationship sort of but it's still positive mm-hmm. exactly yeah we we definitely want to find that levity i think you got it and the situations that are heavy nice <laughs> thanks we're big fans yeah we're definitely <laughs> definitely big fans we look forward to to uh coming and seeing you guys play live First beer is on me yeah hell yeah <laughs> um so this is your chance uh plug away let everybody know where they can find you online um yeah oh my gosh my plug okay um uh, the goalkeeper would like to mention no i've got nothing prepared um we just got a lot of stuff going on in the 
booking time. We have the tour. So please, please come check us out on tour. We're on tour. We're a band on tour, tour, tour. We're touring. Please come see us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I can't make that more obvious. Um, we have loads of new stuff to play, considering we have not really played life in slow motion a lot. Because again, during the pandemic, we played a, I think we played it live now three times or four times. So let's do it plenty more times. We have um, the 16th through the 24th. If you are in Northeast America, probably somewhere near you. If not, we're coming your way later this year, I think. We're coming south. But um, check it out, goalkeeperband.com. I'm Cody. There's Mark. Ryan's somewhere. I don't know. Uh, pizza's good. I have a cat. Wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. You heard it here. Uh, this is great. Thank this you. Was, Absolutely. This was amazing. Um, yeah, no, this has been thanks. a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, thanks for turning us on to such a great band like the Wonder Years. Happy um, to. Yeah. So, uh, as always. Oh, you know what? This is actually ooh. something maybe it's worth mentioning since we talked about the Wonder Years. Sure. Um, we recently, in one of the songs that's going to be in our newest endeavor, um, we had the chance to write with Casey from the Wonder Years. Oh, wow. So, he, he, um, we had to go to, into the studio with our friend Kevin. He's got a place up in Collegeville, PA, where um, we demoed out most of our songs. And um, Casey has some free time, and he does a lot of writing and producing. So and blinking up, and he came to the studio with us, and we got the knockout up. It was really, really cool. Oh, that is wow. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Awesome. I was like a little kid freaking out. He's walking. <laughs> he, had, like, he had like the jean jacket on from like like the photo shoot of, of the suburbia record you look on the back of it and it looks like he's wearing like the same thing and it's like dude why are you so cool stop being so cool you know, i'm trying to play it really really cool like i don't i'm not like the biggest one of yours fan in the room right now <laughs> right you know right it's really cool so so definitely um expect that that's a it's a fun little tidbit of knowledge hell yeah well as always, guys, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at uh, S-I-M-H pod. And you can also find the podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're on Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, iTunes, and we're on SoundCloud. So always be on the lookout for us on there. Um Cody, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, yes, we, look, we look forward to... Thank you so much for having me. We look forward to seeing you guys uh, very soon. And um, as always, guys, you know, make sure that you're sharing your music with everybody because you never know when you're going to find something new that you're going to love. Mm, agreed. So, thanks so 12. much, guys. Yeah. Till it's live. <laughs>